Welcome to the next track. A podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. We self-produce the Next Track podcast and want to keep it ad-free, so we rely on contributions from listeners for support. You can help us by making a regular donation via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the next track. And thanks. Kirk and I were doing, you and I, when I say Kirk, I mean you. Kirk and I were doing uh, another podcast that we work on. We were in the pre-production phase of the show, and we were trying to figure out whether or not we should mention some of the predictions for WWDC. And one of the things that has been mentioned was a journaling app. And we discussed whether, well, should we mention this? And we decided not to. But I thought it was interesting that at the time you said, yes, there's always a big app that comes out. They make a big deal out of it. And then nothing ever happens with it. Remember Freeform? And I said, <laughs> yes, I do remember Freeform. And I remember when Freeform came out, I said, hey, that's a pretty interesting little thing. It was a... Uh, it's made in Catalyst, right? It's a drawing program. It's a collaborative drawing program. Very basic. If you've ever used Pages or Keynote. It's more like OmniGraffle. Right. Which is this app that had a bunch of shapes that you could put in. So that was used by people who wanted to, like, model network topologies or do flow charts and things like that. Right. But you can do a lot more than that. You can put pictures in it. You can do all kinds of you stuff. You can put text and pictures and images and arrows to link things. You can make mind maps if you like doing that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But I looked at it at the time and I got excited the way I'm getting excited about it now. After I looked at it, I said, well, I'll think of something to do with this at some point. Well, I finally did. After you mentioned Freeform at this podcast meeting, I pulled it out and I said, you know what I can do? I'm going to map my apartment with the home automation that I have, because frankly, it's getting a little out of hand. And without a map, you really can't see where certain brands are and where certain lights and I don't know how many people are into home automation, but the first thing you discover is that not everything is compatible with everything. And I think we've talked about how hopefully matter and, and thread and all that stuff will, will remedy that. But for the time being, and for the past few years, You've had to try to negotiate the Google, the Amazon, and the Apple stuff. So having a map saying this particular device is here with these particular qualities and these particular uh, capabilities was very handy. So I said, hey, Kirk, <laughs> and I showed him the picture of the freeform that I made. He said, this is pretty good. You still haven't put the computers or the speakers or the other. I'm like, oh, my God, there's more stuff to add to my freeform document. So now <laughs> so I've, I've taken that to heart, too. And I've, it's just it's just been a really helpful thing. And it got me realizing how complex and how crazy home automation is right now. I've been, I mean, I don't just have lights. I have lights. I have plugs. I have sensors now. And, and those are the basics. And it's incredibly complicated to have to work with. Well, I've got lights. I've got radiator thermostats, smart thermostats. I've got smart plugs. I've got a couple of smart power strips now recently. I've got ring doorbells and a couple of ring cameras. There's a lot of stuff. I have a weather station in my garden. Now, I've always bought stuff that's HomeKit compatible because I didn't want to get into that whole thing. There are two exceptions. One is the Philips Hue stuff. When it wasn't HomeKit compatible, the Philips Hue bridge makes it HomeKit compatible. So the, the bulbs themselves and the devices, they're not directly compatible. With Matter and Thread, that will change. They will be compatible without the, the bridge. The other thing is the Ring stuff. And that, obviously, it's Amazon versus Apple, so they don't want to be compatible. But they will be going to Matter and Thread as well. So they will be HomeKit compatible. 
About two weeks ago for an article, I bought a HomeKit compatible camera, video camera that points out my office toward the, the gate so I can, you know, see if anyone's coming in, that kind of thing. It uses HomeKit secure video. So that means the videos go up to iCloud and you can see them in the Home app. Whereas with the Ring, you have to go into the Ring app. See, what you want for this is everything centralized. And that's the promise of HomeKit and Matter and Thread bringing all this together. Whether you're using the Home app or Alexa or whatever the Google app is, or for example, I have a lot of Eve devices and the Eve app actually shows everything that's HomeKit compatible in a, in a different display than the Home app, which is actually a bit more practical. You could use the Eve app instead of the HomeKit app. Exactly. I've got a couple of pieces of software like that too, and which makes it actually difficult to figure out what app to use because when it says HomeKit compatible, you don't know if it means this situation where you can use it instead of HomeKit or that the devices that this app connects to work with HomeKit. That's what you presume. But then when you find out that you can use the app instead of HomeKit, but then other things that connect to HomeKit don't connect to this app. You see what I'm saying? So it's not a good idea to do that. Right. I think Eve is the only app from a hardware maker that does get everything from HomeKit. I don't think any other app does. There might be some third-party apps that aren't manufacturer specific that people have designed that get HomeKit information. In fact, I know there's a lot of home control apps, but they, there's a difference between control. Like I have one on my menu bar, which lets me say, turn on or off certain lights when I want. Right. But I can't set settings for devices. So that's a difference. Right. You need the app for that. You need the device app for that. Or the home app. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. It's interesting because Philips Hue is pretty much the 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 thing to get if you're using HomeKit. Thing about Philips Hue stuff, in case you don't know, is it's really expensive. Well, don't buy the color bulbs. If you don't need the color bulbs, and that's what I've decided, I don't really need them. Yeah. You can buy cheaper yeah. color bulbs if you really want them and use it with a a a, a, a better third party app. Yeah. Or get the Philips Hue white, which are actually warm white, which I like. It's it's not a bluish, it's an orangish color white. So, yeah. Right. They're like 11 bucks, and they're fine. And they work with dimmers. Actually, they may, some of them don't work with dimmers. Some of them are just white light, and that's it, yeah. on off. Some are white light and dimmers. Some are white light and color. There's a whole yeah. bunch but of But they them. have sales pretty often on Amazon, at least here in the UK they do. Oh, if you wanted to build a home kit home, you could, I mean, a, a Philips home kit home you can do it you've done it yeah but for me i have lights in three rooms with four rooms philips u lights but for me i've got them all over the place i've bought cheap lights and they work fine they work just fine i'm a lot more comfortable in going for a standard than buying all the cheap things because you don't know how long they're going to work whether the apps are going to be updated and all the thing about home kit is you don't need to use the third-party app if it's home kit compatible right well, here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing about that. It's like, uh, as I've told you, I've been doing stuff with sensors in the house. I have motion. Sen I have a motion sensor in a hallway. This is what old people do. So when you get up in the middle of the night, you can have the light come on in the hallway and on in the bathroom. And actually, it's like that during the day around here, too, because it's in a dark area of my house. So that got me thinking, gee, I wonder if I could turn the lights on if it really got cloudy, if it got overcast during the day. So I bought another sensor. Now, the thing about Hue motion sensors is they actually have three sensors. They have a motion sensor, a light sensor, and a temperature sensor. The Hue app, though, doesn't work with the light or the thermostat. But HomeKit does. 
HomeKit can access the information from the Philips Hue motion sensor to derive the light and temperature. So I got that to work. I put a Hue motion sensor in a window, and when it reaches a certain level of lux, I had to learn about lux, L-U-X, light measurement. When it falls below a certain level of lux during the daytime, these peripheral lights come on inside the house. So that was kind of interesting. But the fact is that the Hue bridge doesn't work with those things. It's the HomeKit app that works with it. So it's, it's still quite confusing. I, I think it's a transitional thing that they're adding these features that the Hue bridge can't support, but that HomeKit can. And so going forward, the Hue bridge won't be necessary with new Hue devices, I believe. It's funny because Hue says you could do a lot more with the Hue bridge. Exactly. But you can't really. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you used to be able to because of the way you can group things together, but you can group them in HomeKit as well. I mean, I've got three lights here in my office and I have three different scenes, bright, medium and dim, and they all go on or off when I want or I put on individual ones. I'm just wondering, what does this have to do with music? Since, well, it, uh, what got me thinking about music is that I was mapping the house and I was able to see where the music goes too because I stream music in my house. Yeah. Have I mentioned on the show what, I do, what the crazy thing that I do? No, I don't think you have. Okay. <laughs> this is a good one. I you know you, I live alone. Got, I live alone. Dear now. listener, Doug has time on his hands. Yeah, I have a lot of time on my hands because I you know I live alone now, and uh, I get to do all these interesting experiments with with home automation. So I thought, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play music. I normally play music around the house, but what I've decided to do is I put an airport in the kitchen and an air and an old airport in the bathroom. These are old airports that I've had. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've got had these things for years. And I set up listening stations in the bathroom and the kitchen. And they play music all day between 9 and 8 p.m., but only in those rooms. So the sensation I, I found that was interesting was that when I go to the bathroom, it's like going to the bathroom at the mall, <laughs> right? You go into the bathroom at the mall and you hear like 45 seconds of a song and you go, oh, that's interesting. And then you leave. And that's what I have at my house. When you walk into my bathroom, you hear 45 seconds of a snippet of a song, and then you leave. And the thing is, I, uh, music is, is constantly updating. So there's hundreds of songs during the day that I never hear. But, you know, I hear that random one in there. So it's been kind of an interesting sort of experiment with the, with the music and the... Uh, I, I find that kind of weird. Well, um, yeah, it but, is weird. Yeah, but I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted that sensation. I wanted to see if I could recreate that sensation. So... Extending this to music, I'm in a Facebook group for people with Sonos gear. And just this morning, someone was, he posted four plans of his house and he's going to put speakers here and here and here. And he's trying to decide, okay, do I use Bluetooth? Do I, do I access YouTube music and Apple music through the Sonos app? I was like, dude, AirPlay. AirPlay, dude. And he was like, oh, of course. And so the thing about AirPlay is you can group any number of devices to have them play at the same time. Simultaneously. Yeah, at the same time with no delay. I mean, I've got four devices in my TV room. I've got a Sonos Arc, I have a Sonos Sub Mini, and I have two rear speakers. So all four of them, they're coming out at the same time. Uh, I've got a pair of Sonos Aero Ones, the new Sonos Ones in my bedroom. And I can also play from a Sonos and a HomePod or from a HomePod and the Sonos Move, or any combination of things. I could have the whole house playing music at the same time. And I'm, I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to have music in the bathroom because I don't really care. But the fact that you can do that with music now, I think, is 
there's a new shift in technology here, right? That before you had to be in one place to listen. Now, I mean, you still have to have speakers where you want to listen, but you can you can go from one room to another and have the music follow you or, or keep it playing in both or combine speakers wherever you want. It, it does make a big difference from that, you know, two stereo speakers and easy chair. It does. And, and although I still prefer to do my critical listening that way, and I'm still a stereo guy. I'm, I don't think I, I, I don't see myself getting much beyond that. I just like stereo. I just, you know, that's the way I am. But we could talk about that some other time. But I mean, as far as like having the music in different parts of the house, it's fascinating. It's, I mean, obviously I can do something that's this silly. <laughs> uh, you can do lots of things, you know, I mean. Do you go to the bathroom more often now? Because you know you're going to hear music. Yes, I, now I do, yes. yes. And I, my doctor said I should yes. be going to the bathroom. My doctor suggested I go to the bathroom yes. more frequently, so it makes it much more pleasurable. But, I mean, it's pleasurable anyway. But <laughs> but now I'm, I'm wondering if I can have different sets of music playing on different sets on different airplays. I can do that, right? You can, of course. And in fact, Apple changed the way you control airplay from iPhones and iPads, either in iOS 15 or 16. So if I take my iPhone and I play music to the pair of home pods I have in the office. Then I go back to the iPhone later, the music app isn't playing anything. You have to bring up the control center and tap on the thing that shows, and you have a button control other speakers and TVs. Basically, it kind of hands it off to Apple devices. If it's not Apple devices, it'll still be playing, but you can go to the control other speakers and TVs, whatever it's called, and you can start playing something else on another device. So your iPhone can play on six different pairs of, or six different individual speakers, as many as you have. And I'm just thinking, looking at, it's like, I remember a few years ago in my Take Control of iTunes book when I first wrote about AirPlay, and I had two devices on my network. If I look now, let's see, my iMac, my AirPods Max, the bedroom, which is a pair of Sonos Ones, the kitchen HomePod Mini, the two... HomePods in the office, the mini, because I have a, a HomePod mini in the office as well, and my Sonos amp. So all of those show up in the thing. If I had my regular AirPods, the case was open or they were out, they would show up too. So there's so many that it, it's actually getting confusing now to have that many. Now we're back to freeform again. So you need a freeform document. You need yeah. that map. You need to understand where things are. Now, I don't think you need it as much as I do because everything you have is compatible. No. But still, you would benefit from seeing where things are and how things are. You, you, it might help you clean things up or tidy things up or give you some new ideas. Well, as you know, last week I was reorganizing cables and wires behind my desk and my credenza. And I got some of those cable sheaths and I put things together with some smart power strips, particularly power strip that has four plugs and four USB plugs for the many things that charge via USB. And I made a list of all the plugs before I started that because I needed to know how many do I need, how many power strips do I need, how many sockets, uh, how many USB. And I didn't make a map, but I did make a list. Every once in a while when I'm changing my hard, I'll make a list of what's, here's the drives, what's it connected to, does it go through a hub, is it connected directly and stuff. Maybe it's that we're old and we need to do that, but I find it really practical to have that on paper or in a freeform document so you can see things without imagining them. Well, here's the thing. Before, everything was simple. I mean, your home entertainment center was a space of like, Two by two by six feet. That was it. There was no, you didn't have to worry about what was playing in the bathroom. There wasn't anything <laughs> playing in the bathroom unless you had a clock radio in there or something. So when, when the idea that you can have this sprawling network in your house of music, electricity, lights, all, you know, temperature, motion, trying to corral it all is difficult. I don't think it's just our age. I think it's a matter of 
You know, no, I mean, I think it's I, I, for me. It's, it's very. It's difficult. a complicated process for for anyone to understand. Yeah, I think. and especially for someone like me, where you have one product that you're kind of sticking with HomeKit. I've got things that are compatible, not sort of compatible, kind of compatible, compatible on Tuesdays, not compatible on Wednesday. It's just weird. Alternate side of the street compatibility. Right. It's when it's sunny, it's not compatible. Yeah. That sort of thing. But I think over time you'll move to HomeKit compatible stuff because. I mean, you're not going to throw away something that works, but it's just annoying to have those two or three devices that have their own apps and you have a, a folder full of apps on your phone instead of just the home app. I would like to deal with one app, and I do like the um, the HomeKit interface. It's of, of all of the things that I use, it's probably the best interface. It just feels right. The, yeah. I use Alexa, actually, most of the time. I use the Alexa app when I have to do stuff. Or I talk to, I have an Echo Dot that, uh, that I... <laughs> That's another silly thing I did. I Echo dressed him up dot. as a robot, and I put a little purple robe on him, so he kind of looks like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, but anyway, you know, they, you know, you live dot. alone. I have no one here to tell me not to do things. Yeah, but an Echo Dot, you should get a HomePod Mini. Well, I know it's a lot more expensive. That's, a, that's another thing I wanted to ask you, because um, there was a... Didn't an iPad used to be able to be a hub, and now it can't be a hub? Wasn't it something like that? That's correct. So to use HomeKit, you need a Home Hub. Right. And the home hub, you don't declare it. It just automatically declares itself on the network. It can be an Apple TV or a HomePod or a HomePod mini. It could be the previous HomePod or any, you know, any HomePod. Uh, the iPad was for a while back in the day. This is before the HomePod mini came out. The iPad could work as a home hub. I think the reason why they stopped is it's telling people that you need a portable device to manage your home. And maybe you take your iPad with you. So if it's not there and you have nothing else, other people can't control it. And it's better to have fixed devices. So I wonder if they saw the HomePod was coming and they just threw it into iPad because they wanted to test it. And then when HomePods came along, they just moved it into that because it does make sense to have a stationary hub. It does. I mean, isn't that why it's called a hub? It's like it's kind of hub. It's just there. Yeah. And another thing is, so I've got six home hubs. My two full-size home pods in the office each show up, an older home pod in the living room, a home pod mini in the kitchen, a home pod mini in the office, and a TV room in the Apple TV. So what I see now is that one is connected, three are on standby, and two are not responding because I've turned them off. In order to save electricity, I've got a thing up in my TV room, for example, where if I'm not using it, I turn it off. I calculated that I did cost 30 pounds a year to leave them on standby. So since it's like the TV, the Arc, the Xbox, all that, they're connected to one plug and I just cut them off. Now, I wanted to ask you about these smart plugs. For some reason, I'm really scared of smart plugs. And the idea of, <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense. But um, I'm afraid of you. I even use them now. And I'm like, I use them to turn on a, like a fan. And I'm really nervous about using smart plugs to turn on mechanical things like a fan or a microwave or I don't know, anything. How do you, that's, that's irrational, isn't it? Yeah, it's irrational. <laughs> you know, the weirdest thing in this country is that electrical outlets have switches on them. So you plug something into an electrical outlet, you still have to flip a switch to turn it on. So you essentially have a manual switch on an electrical outlet. So a smart plug is just like another switch like that. The thing is, your, your smart plug can be, your fan can go on at a certain temperature, right? Or it can go on at a certain time of day. You can do all that sort of routine 
based on input from your other smart devices. See, that's where it gets interesting, where one smart device tells another smart device to do something. What I was going to do is have the uh, temperature sensor, when it gets above, I don't know, 75, 78 degrees, turn some fans on. I'd like to try not to use an air conditioner, yeah. except in a bedroom. I'll put it in the bedroom because it can become intolerable at night. But during the day, I'd like to see if I can manage the... Um, the the airflow, as it were, with my smart stuff, mm. with my home stuff. Well, you're a better man than I because once it gets up into what do you call it, the 80s over there? That's what we call it. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't. It's just too hot. For, it's, it's too hot to work. I take my pants off. I can walk around naked. I'm I'm here all by myself. So can I, but it's too. It's hot and humid and sticky, and I just don't like it. So. I do have fans, and over here, we don't get that temperature very often. I think last year, I used my air conditioners for about six or seven days in the whole right, summer. Right, right. So it wasn't bad. Yeah, here you have air conditioner season. You know, you turn it on in July. Yeah, no, we, we had a heat wave of about four days, and I think another one of about three days. Sometimes the day after the heat wave, the house is still hot enough that I need some air conditioning. But if I had to use it for a whole summer every day, I probably would find another solution. But since it's so, you know... It's punctual. It's a day here, a day there. I don't mind spending what it costs. You know, what's interesting, that reminded me of something that I've also figured out from using this stuff, is that there are some things I don't want connected to automatic lights or, or anything like that. For instance, all the lights in my kitchen, are turn, you turn them on but with switches. Yeah. And I, I began thinking, it's like, why would I want anything in the kitchen automated? If I want light on, I want it on right now. And there's the switch. And um, it, it seems to work that way. The bathroom, however, you know, as I said, I have this motion detector that turns on a ceiling light. But there are other lights in the bathroom around mirrors and that sort of thing. So when I want deliberate light, I know how to turn them on. But I, there's no reason to have that hooked up to my iPhone. Well, the only advantage is that you can... You could use Siri to turn things on and off. Yeah, but I don't always have Siri in my hand. You know, if I'm going in to take a shower, I'm not bringing my phone with me. And so that yeah. sort of thing, you know, and I'm, I don't like to have it well, around. I have my watch on except when I'm taking a shower. So I use that a lot to turn things on. But I don't do it in the kitchen either because it's either I'm in the kitchen needing lights or I'm in the kitchen. I don't need lights depending right. on the time of day. Exactly. It's not something where I care about an ambience. I need light to work, you know, so I don't cut my fingers right. off. There are work lights in the yeah. kitchen. Let's face it. You know, unless you have one of these, unless you're, you know, it's one of those, you're in a magazine, you live inside of a magazine and you have, you know, a beautiful kitchen with ceiling lights and people coming over for dinner and things like that. And you all eat in the kitchen. Yeah. Like they do in magazines, like they do it, in catalogs. In my office, I have one light that's just behind my desk. So that lights me up where I am now. I have another one next to my sofa. So when it's dark, like early in the morning, not this time of year, but early in the morning or, or late in the afternoon, I'll put that one on as well. And then have another one on another side to just as a fill light sort of. So, but that's, that's a question of what do you need to do what you're doing at the time you're doing it, right? I have lights come on automatically an hour before sunset. I don't have to even think about it. Yeah, but see, the thing is, you don't pay for electricity. I don't. It's included in the rent here. And you have to, you are the complete opposite. You're paying right. You're paying exorbitant prices for every drop of electricity. Yeah, yeah. We won't go into that, but I did just get this new smart tariff where the price changes every half hour. And it's more expensive from 4 to 7 p.m. It's less expensive from about 12.30 to 3. So I plugged in my car about an hour and a half ago to get the cheapest rate. And yeah, you kind of have to be attentive over here because it costs a lot. We pay, 
I want to say 200 bucks a month in electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, part of it is for my work stuff, right? My computers and all that, they use electricity. But still, that's kind of, you know, that's what you pay in this country. Yep. It's a little island. It's a little tiny island that generates a little bit of electricity for all the people. Actually, I think they've had days where they're over 50% renewable. Because that's um, good news. Particularly wind uh, up in the North Sea. So between wind and solar, it's go it's gone up like exponentially in the past few years. That's great. I wish they'd do more. They're trying to do more of that over here. But yeah, but coal, especially off the Cape, especially off the Cape here. In, yeah, in but you've got coal, and there's like that the, they want to save all these fifty thousand jobs of people who work in coal by making three hundred million people pay more for electricity. Human beings hold themselves back because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yep. And I really hate that about us. It's like, look, this would be good for everybody. I'm sorry you're going to be sad. You're not going to have a job, but well, we'll have but, to figure something else out. But with the amount of money that's saved, you can just pay people the salary they're getting until retirement age to sit around and do nothing. That'd be fine. Let's do that. Yeah. Too. Okay. That's good Should we do some next tracks? Absolutely. I actually don't have music today. When listeners hear this, it's 10 days later, but the series finale of Succession was last night, Sunday, the 28th of May. If you haven't watched Succession, watch it. That's it. That's it? That's your that's your next track pick? <laughs> I guess you can't talk about it, can you? Well, I'm not going to spend five minutes talking about it. You either know what it is or you don't. It's an extraordinary television series, great writing, and a, a wonderful set of character arcs that reached a satisfying conclusion in the finale. We were talking before we started recording, it's not like that Sopranos finale where it cuts to black for 30 seconds and you're supposed to imagine, well, like Lost, where the guy, he wakes up, it turns out he was dreaming. Anyway, Succession. If you haven't watched it, start watching now. It doesn't even matter if you know how it ended because it's not like there was any huge surprise or anything. It's just like it was just the ending that made sense. I can't imagine. I haven't seen Succession and kind of not interested. You don't watch TV. I, I'm, I'm yeah. down on TV for various reasons. We can talk about that sometime. But I don't think I would mind knowing what the ending was because by the time, if I did start to watch it, I would forget the ending. It wouldn't, I don't think it would be spoiling the ending if I knew it. Because the whole, I mean, it's a TV show. It's a four-year TV show. There's other good parts, presumably. It's not just a matter of getting to the end. Yes, it's true. But it is a, well, we won't say anymore. Just watch Succession. What have you got, Doug? I don't know much about Curved Air, but I know some of the songs on their first album, which is called Air Conditioning. Curved Air is one of those prog rock bands from the 70s that actually, to me, sounded like a lot of other prog rock bands. They have this sort of uh, Fairport convention weight, but they're sort of influenced by like West Coast American pop like Jefferson Airplane and uh, I don't know, It's a Beautiful Day and that sort of thing. But of course, they've got the British folk, the British classical, the British church music that uh, that is so prominent in prog rock music. But anyway, my father had this record because he would he would occasionally buy contemporary records that had interesting instrumentals on them. And this one has a song called Vivaldi. And it features the violin player, whose name is Daryl Way. And it starts off kind of like as a Vivaldi piece, you know. And they just throw a rock beat behind it, more or less. But then it stops, and it goes off into this crazy, zany, psychedelic, electronic violin playing. He's got all kinds of effects hooked up to it. It's pretty wild stuff. So I knew that song. And I also knew the first song on the album, because I would always play it and go, Nah, I don't want to listen to this. It's a song called It Happened Today, and it features their 
their female vocalist, Sonia Christina, and it's really a haunting song now that I listen to it again. So I'm thinking, I should listen to this whole thing again. The first album from Curved Air, it's called Air Conditioning, and it's my next track. This was episode number 257 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. You can start or join a conversation in the comments section of this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at NextTrackCast. And don't forget to support The Next Track by making a regular donation via Patreon. We are ad-free and self-sustaining, so listener support is what keeps us up and running. Visit patreon.com slash thenexttrack. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.